Well, good day, everybody. It's Greg Murphy here, and I'd like to welcome you to the next edition of The Depot, which is a podcast focused on getting to know the transport industry a little bit better. Today's guest is the New Zealand Chief Executive Officer of Iaara Aotearoa Transporting New Zealand, Nick Leggett. Uh, we're talking to Nick to find out more about what Transporting New Zealand is all about, what their key focus areas are, and the main areas of concern for the industry in New Zealand. Thank you very much for your time, mate. Welcome to the depot. Um, before we crack into the guts of uh, what we talk about on the depot, we're just going to go a little bit of background on yourself. And if, uh, it makes for pretty interesting reading, to be honest. Uh, Wellington schoolboy, schooled at Tawa College. You then went and gained a Bachelor of Arts majoring in politics at Victoria University. Um, you then started your career as a broker for Colliers International in commercial sales and leasing. Then you went on to be the mayor of Porua City for six years, which is very interesting. That would have been a, a hell of a, a job. Um, you're a director on um, a bunch of boards around the place, uh, but you have been chief executive of Transporting New Zealand for almost four years. Um, it's a hell of a list of things on a CV there, mate. Uh, tell us a bit about uh, how all that came about and the, and the interest in politics as well. Yeah, well, it's a, yeah, sort of <laughs> talking about yourself. Talking about yourself is, uh, you know, you, you know, sometimes it takes some adjustment. Um, look, I, um, I, for some reason, you know, my passion from a, quite a young age was was politics, and you know, you're somebody who's followed your passions, uh, and it's <laughs> um, look where it gets you. Um, and it, f- for me, it was. Um, just being interested in what was happening in the world and then thinking about how, you know, you can influence that. And and um, and particularly in my local community, which, you know, Porirua is a pretty exciting place. And there's, uh, you know, I think the traditional perceptions of, of, of Porirua have changed a lot over the last few years. And I'd, I'd like to think that um, I was part of a council and working with the community that have, that have, that have done that and, and changed that. And so... Um, it, yeah, I, I've always done things that interest me. That what can I say that I'm that I'm passionate about? So, um, working for the road transport industry, um, it's interesting. When I was mayor, and I thought, well, I'm not going to be mayor forever because I don't, I didn't want to get sort of caught in the role. And I, I stepped down from Putera and I ran for the Wellington mayoralty because I, I felt that Wellington as a region needed uh, better leadership. I still think that's the case. Um, I don't think they're there yet, but. I always thought, well, if I don't win, I'll have a chance to do something else. And funnily enough, I'd known uh, Tony Friedlander, who was the chief executive of, of the first chief executive of Road Transport Forum, uh, and also Ken Shirley, um, who I succeeded. And I thought it's a pretty interesting job, and it's kind of a job I, I think I'd, I'd really like because it, it talks about um, the importance of moving freight around the country to... To, to, to drive our economy and to keep us fed um, and you know the importance of roads because I'd, I'd really seen the importance of roads because Transmission Gully goes through through uh, you know near where I live and, and we'd negotiated that when I was mayor in terms of getting the right link roads and, and getting the the, the the planning and things yep. like that sorted so it was a, a sort of a natural fit for me and I think um, also uh, you know the, the, the road transport industry is a sort of a common sense type sort of group of people. And um, they probably think I'm not that sensible at times, but uh, I try and be. And just to try and come up with the sort of solutions, I think, and the kind of advocacy that's going to help them do their job more efficiently and um, and and in a sort of a safer work environment. And that's safer, not just for them, but for everybody who uses roads. So it's it's a it's been a um it's a, it's an interesting industry it's fascinating and um it's got its little quirks and idiosyncrasies as any industry does but they do great work and they're often kind of unseen I, I think that Kiwis have learned quite a lot through COVID about what trucks do for for the country uh, and I think that um, it's important that we keep reminding people that actually stuff doesn't get into their homes and their businesses and and to sort of you know keep their lives going. No, things don't appear by magic. You know, most of them have come on the back of a truck, and it's well. Um, well you and you yeah. and I have actually spoken about that previously um, outside uh, 
to the confines of doing a podcast um, about the the need and the desire to to put the industry and put those that are you know um, working in there and professional drivers. We've, we've talked about putting them on a pedestal, haven't we? So about the we need have. to to really um, give the the correct acknowledgement to those people doing that, which allows. Yes every other person in New Zealand to go about their everyday lives and and that we take for granted because we just expect all that stuff is going to turn up uh, when we want it. That's exactly right. It's, it's, it's a, and I think honouring those people that, that do that and recognising how important that, you know, because there's a great, um, we've got a bit of a, um, uh, uh, an image that's been produced uh, by one of our members uh, in Auckland um, around how many truck trips it takes to um, have your ham and salad sandwich for lunch. <laughs> and yeah. it's, 30, it's 30 truck trips. And, oh. you know, if you think about all the all the, the ingredients to make bread and then, you know, all the different things that you'd put in a, a sandwich. And when you think about it like that, yeah, it's... It's 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 kind of mind blowing. Everything's got Staggered. to get yep from a point to another point at a time to come together. And um, yeah, that's that's it's hard to illustrate, but it's important that we do. I had a, um, a really interesting conversation. Um, a good friend of mine, and he lives in Topol, and uh, he's uh, manages and owns a a small trucking company. Only eight trucks. They're all quite small trucks, but they do a lot of um, uh, sort of movement of things like caravans and boats and and other small vehicles and things um, up and they've got a lot of flat deck trucks up and down the country and he left Topor uh, a, a week or so ago at five o'clock in the morning and drove to Auckland and he said to me how many because he had a passenger with him a young guy who was looking to to get involved in in the the industry and he said um, how many trucks do you think we passed on the way, one one way from Toport at five a.m. in the morning to into Auckland Central, how many? How many? How many do you think? And I said, well, I I would let me say I reckon I'll say three hundred. And he goes, okay, that's interesting. Everyone that I've asked has said between two fifty and four hundred trucks. How many do you think it was? Seven hundred. Nine hundred and eighty. I I just I I had to take two steps back i thought that just couldn't be possible that was from five o'clock it was a you know a four-hour trip or whatever it was that is um, it's staggering eh? That, and it's those kind of those are the things that's the story that the industry needs to tell think of all the what's being moved and yeah. um you know we you know greg we're pretty aligned with your view on the state of our roads and the fact that that more needs to be invested in and in safer design and better maintenance uh but you know, the big competing interest is rail. And when you look at a train, you know, the one train that, that perhaps goes between Auckland and Wellington at night, you probably got the equivalent of about 30, um, 50 tonne trucks, you know, on that train. Rail just can't compete with, you know, 980 trucks. Um, mm. Think about how many trains that would have to be between Wellington and Auckland. It's just not going to happen. And, no. and it's, it's, you know, those trucks are going from, from A to B. They're not going from a point at a railway station to another point at a railway station and having to have a truck at either end. So it's it's just, it's great. I, I think that's a, it's a fantastic stat. Yeah, it is. It's an amazing stat. I was, it completely blew me away. It blew him away and he's in the industry. Like, but when you're driving along the roads, you just, it's just another one goes past. You're not, you're not thinking how many it actually adds up to being. Um, right, tell us, uh, we want to talk a little bit more about you know what transporting New Zealand is. It was, there's been a recent um, amalgamation of Road Transport Forum and the Road Transport Association. Mm. Um, so when and why uh, have the two of them come together? Mm. Well, I'll be really upfront with you. And most people probably, you know, this is sort of industry politics. It's, there won't be a bunch of a bother to most people. So I'm not going to go into great detail, but. Uh, a year ago, there were four bodies in the road transport industry. And the Road Transport Forum, which I ran originally, yep. was the peak body. Uh, and it did the, uh, the sort of political advocacy, technical and policy advocacy. And, and, and with sort of, we were the spokespeople of the media for road transport. Um, 
with the Road Transport Association, which was the sort of member facing, uh, along with New Zealand Trucking and National Road Carriers, they, they did the, we, we represented their interests in Wellington. Um, but the Road Transport Association said, look, to the other two, look guys, we should just have one organisation. This is just silly. There's just too much duplication. There's, you know, we're just, we're cutting across each other. Inefficiency. We're undermining, yep. We're undermining, uh, you know, the interests of, of the industry because we're not singing from the same song sheet. And that was rejected, unfortunately, by the other two. And so the Road Transport Association said, well, that's it. We, we want to take you guys out of the forum and we'll merge. And that's what's happened. And we've become Transporting New Zealand. So, you know, we've, we're in a really good position here because we, we represent the whole country. We've got members in every pocket of the country, different sectors of the industry. Um, but we're here in Wellington. Um, so we've got, and we've also got staff, we've got team members everywhere so we're in a good position although we're wellington based you know don't hold that against us but we've got you know the, the, the good relationships that have been built over 30 years with with government um and in the media and politicians and what the industry said to us really clearly is those are the things they most want in an association um and so we think we're in sort of pole position to do that. Um, a lot of what we do is not up in lights. It's the day-to-day -day conversations. Um, you'll appreciate this saying to the, uh, if it's the transport agency, if it's Waka Kotahi, hey, they might come and say, well, what do you think about this idea with, um, you know, some form of compliance? We say, mm, actually, that's going to mean a lot more work or a lot more costs, and we can actually you know, head things off. And of course, you can't talk about all those things, um, but it's trying to be sensible. Once again, it's trying to get good uh, compliance from the industry's part, but but, but a good regula regulatory sort of approach. Um, and, you know, that, that does take challenges, particularly in this environment. Um, different regulators with WorkSafe and, and, and Waka Kotahi and, and MPI as well for the livestock industry. Um, it's trying to get people onto the same page. And, and I'll be really frank with you, well, won't be any surprise mm. to you, this government is not, the government is not particularly fond of, of cars or trucks. Um, and so it does take, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's not a great environment at times for us, but we try and be polite, but we are forced to speak out um, sometimes, you know, a little bit more frankly than, than, than might be advisable, but we've got to make the point. You know, that's, that's what we do. Yeah, I mean, so we made that point before about, um, you know, the amount of trucks on the road doing the jobs that they're doing, which there is no other way to, to get that done. So, so I mean, how difficult is that conversation that you are then having with, with the, the people in power when they want an economy to continue to grow and continue to deliver and do all these things, yet... The economy is based on the things that we've talked about. I mean, where's the where's the equilibrium? Where's the? I mean, I mean, I just find that really difficult. Difficult to even explain, let alone try and understand or 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 you know argue those points with with the politicians. It's a, it's a really good question, and it's it's a it's a hard question and a hard answer because what you've got is. Um, you've got ideology driving mm. these things. You've got a, a belief, a belief, no facts, no evidence, just a belief yep. that this is how <laughs> things should be. And um, when you, when you, you know, like it's important we have beliefs, we all do. Um, but when that trumps a realistic idea of what it takes to run a business, and the realities of employing staff, of paying staff, of, of, of ballooning costs, and you know, uh, an infrastructure network that's below par, and the impact that has, then it's quite difficult. You know, you, you, it's, it's really often a conversation of the friendly deaf, because you know what you think, they know what they think, but there's just no common ground around some issues, not all issues, you know, there's, there's some good, we do do some good work with the government, but yeah. it's um, on this fundamental stuff, very difficult. Yeah, I, I get that. With just uh, yes, the experiences that I'm having through through the the road safety sides of things and road to zero and and the logic that I see 
every single day driving on our roads. I mean, literally driving on our roads is the way to actually see what is actually happening. And yet trying to get that through and also then get people to to want to actually come and visualize that. Um, yes. It's a very difficult, it's a very, very difficult task. Yeah. Well, well, road to zero is, I mean, that's your classic case, isn't it, of a belief system. They don't, yeah, absolutely. they believe that focusing on these things is going to lead to a reduced number of accidents and serious injuries and deaths on our roads. And actually, what's frustrating is to hear for people, you know, like you and I and others who have the same aspiration, but just think that the means to get there is need different. to be wider. And but we are what they try and do, and this is a concern, and it's happened actually in the Hawks Bay that we have bureaucrats essentially saying, "You don't care about people's safety." You know, they label, That's they right. try and label yep. when you when you disagree, and and it's very sad, and it's 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 um, the frustrating thing is, of course, that um, it's not going to have the impact that they think it's going to have, and that's all I care about. And I think you do too, based on everything I've ever heard from people, what you just said. What's the impact going to be of um, this policy position or this action on, on actually reducing harm on our roads? And I don't, I mean, you know, we've, we've got the, the, the highest number of deaths at, yep. at our six month point through the year since 2018. Yep. Um, that's really concerning, given the fact we've been through, you know, some lockdowns. Um, but interestingly, Greg, you know, Waka Kotahi's staff numbers since 2018 have gone from 1372 to 2081, you know, 700 more people, you know, lots more managers and admin and PR people. PR. Yep, but they've, but they've actually, you know, they're losing technical staff. I mean, we find they want to have conversations. And if you don't want to have the conversation that suits them, you just get sort of, they just ignore you. And so we take, we take kind of stuff to them that says, well, why doesn't, you know, the industry could take this leadership and we could, we could really, you know, in terms of say compliance, a more cooperative approach, still strong regulation, but they, they just, you just, you just go around in circles. And so all those new staff, what have we achieved? More people have died. Yeah, well, or the other thing we've achieved is um, we've managed to um, spend and for no gain hundreds of millions of taxpayers' dollars to get to that point too. And yeah. and yes, you can, you know, I mean, how long is it going to take before the, this, again, um, we realise that this path is the wrong way. And if you go through history of, of, of um, road safety strategies, this one effectively is the same as all the ones previous for the last 20, 30 years. Uh, the only difference is, is there is definitely tunnel vision, very much a tunnel vision uh, right now on a couple of topics that they are sticking to like glue and are not wavering at all, which you have to give a little bit of credit to, but unfortunately it isn't going to achieve anything. Yes, we do need, we need, we do need that tunnel vision on a lot of things, but unfortunately we're stuck on the same, same topics as what has failed us for the last 20 30 whatever years down that's the right. line and and that's and that's the bit that i see the wastage and um is uh, very concerning anyway we've probably got a little bit off topic but um it is it's good to talk to someone who understands and we're on the same wavelength um and we have actually now just covered a, a, a few of the key responsibilities um uh of well of what transporting new zealand was all about but um, what I'd, I'm really keen to know is your thoughts on the main things that are impacting, and we've, I suppose we have covered a few as well, but other things that are impacting the transport industry that you see at the moment that you're dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis yeah. other than advocacy. Yeah, well, I mean, road, road conditions, um, just to sort of, it stays a little bit on this topic, but, you know, in real terms, the budget for road maintenance has not increased. And once again, the government have a, they, they want to, they don't want to elevate roading investment. They don't want new roads. Um, and they say, you know, the, the real thing is, is that cars and trucks represent private choice. 
You know, that's actually what it comes yep. down to. It's not centrally controlled. If you jump in your car, you can go where you like. And if you, you know, goods in a truck represent the, the free market at work. Whereas, of course, a train for freight or for public transport represents, you know, the government at the centre of things. So I think there's a, there's a strong ideological divide. But our, um, just to move away from that a little bit so we don't, you know, drown ourselves in, in the politics. Um, you know, our, our industry, like every industry, um, facing big cost increases. Um, and of course, the big, the big headline is, is fuel. Um, we've actually, um, we've just got a survey that's, um, we're sort of awaiting the results. Quite a, quite a, a big industry survey, actually. Um, just to understand what proportion of business costs, where, where they've grown, in the last year. So fuel is a proportion of business. We, we have a, um, what's called a, a, an industry cost index, which moves every quarter. So we track and, and our members get access to that and they can look at where costs are, are moving across uh, their, um, you know, the, the industry and their sector of the industry as a whole. What we've done with this survey is we wanted some real-time information, which basically said, um, which basically said, as a proportion of your cost, where have wages moved? Where has fuel, diesel moved? And where are the cost pressures? And we're awaiting the results of that because it's going to be very important to see what we're a service industry and we're often stuck in the middle. And I think we'll get to this point a little bit later on in our discussion about why this is so important. But passing on costs sometimes is hard um, because customers say, well, sorry, you're not doing that. So what we're saying to our members is, and this is where this advocacy, we can help educate industry customers. We can also say, actually, here is some evidence around where costs are moving. You have to pass these on if you're going to stay in business. And we know why the country needs a competitive transport industry, because mm. we've got to be able to move things around and we've got to, you know, there's got to be some choice in that. So um, it's, it, w this is a big, big thing for us at the moment because people are hurting. Uh, and the transport industry, you know, if you don't know how much it costs to run your business to keep your truck running down the road, uh, and you don't know how much you need to charge, and you have to work that out yourself, of course, we don't work that out for people, um, you're going to go broke pretty quick at a time when you've got escalating costs. So that's, that's really, I think, becoming really big for us. That's something that we can do uh, for our members that, that that, that nobody else can. We've got our grant Thornton report, as I said, that comes out quarterly. Um, we run every five years uh, a, a, a cost study through Massey University that, that forms the basis of that report, and then it moves uh, in that quarterly. Uh, you know, quarterly. So um, it's it's, a, it's access to information that's quite vital. Yeah, that, that, I mean that is hugely beneficial isn't it for for the industry as a whole to to be able to have someone that's doing that work because it's it's uh it's a lot of information that needs to be <laughs> needs to be put into the right places in the right context along the way yeah. so um that, that's an enormous how many people do you have there working transporting new zealand for example we our team's about 15 at the moment yeah. uh and um all, almost half of them probably work remotely you know around the country um we've actually just picked up um Mike McRandall, who ran CBST uh, for the police on the South Island. So we've been very lucky. He's a 30-year police veteran. Um, he's he's uh, located in Christchurch. He's running our regional and sector uh, team. You know, that's people that deal with those specific industry issues and the member face-to-face -face member issues. Um, really important. And then we've got, um, you know, we've had some change, you know, because things have moved around and we've we've merged got some really good legal expertise on board, some really good policy and technical, uh, you know, people on board as well. And, you know, if I do say so, um, you know, that just isn't, we just, we've got the skills and, and sort of talent that's not available in, in the other associations. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a good, um, it's a great team. And we've also got, I think, a, a better functioning microphone with the media to be able to really, talk about the issues that are impacting, speak on behalf of the industry. We did some great work during COVID, Greg, around um, getting, I know it sounds silly, but, you know, when, when we went into that first lockdown, not all freight could move. 
Uh, yep. You know, the government felt they could, they had to dictate what was essential for and what wasn't. We worked hard and we were able to advocate to get those barriers broken down very quickly. We built operating guidelines very quickly to allow transport operators, which were actually stolen with our blessing by other industries because uh, they were regarded as good. But, you know, things like for drivers, you know, toilets on main freight routes were locked up by councils. And, and we got those opened within, you know, 24 hours, really, and um, most of them. And, you know, that's where advocacy plays a part. And so um, it's, it's, it's good. It's, 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 you know, we're problem solvers, but we also have to try and anticipate where problems are coming and try and think a little bit more strategically about, well, what is the industry going to require down the line? Yeah. I mean, I mean that whole the whole COVID thing. My goodness, didn't uh, I mean? I'm sure as your role as CEO there, that uh, that was never anything you were going to have to have to deal with. And my goodness, I bet you learnt. I bet you learnt. You would have learnt. Everyone in that would have just learnt so many things that would never have been on your radar previously. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just about you know using using and those the things are going to help of the those, industry. Those things will help Sorry. you, I'm sure, down the line. Completely. I mean, yeah. just, you know what? It actually made, it made me less afraid of naming solutions to problems. Um, you know, so actually being going into a situation and, you know, you were under pressure with COVID because, for instance, if a vehicle servicing and certifying services are not open, well, the industry grinds to a halt. So actually being able to go and say, this is what we need, this is what we think you should do, um, you know, and getting some success from that, I, I'm, I'm, I just, I've got a bit more fearless in that respect. And, yeah. and, um, and I think we've also got, um, we've also got the, um, I think, a, a greater understanding from officials and from politicians and from the public around what the transport, the road transport industry does. So, Nick, if we could um, sort of dot point maybe the top five areas of advocacy and, and work that um, you're doing at Transport, Transporting New Zealand. Yeah, sure. Look, the first one is actually telling the story of what the industry does every day uh, to the public, uh, to government and, and, and officials uh, in Wellington, uh, but also, you know, right trying to illustrate exactly what the industry does and the contribution that it makes to the country and the economy. Um, that's that's our our sort of headline yep. um, priority, uh, but also uh, climate. You know, I think how does the industry demonstrate that it's doing everything it can um, to reduce uh, its emission footprint, and really building some programs that that can assist with that, um, a, as well as um, I think leading on um, you know the need for better roads, better roading investment, better maintenance. Um, and really holding uh, the government's um, feet to the flame on that, because of course the road is the workplace of, of the industry. Um, we also um, need to keep uh, building the future workforce. So we do that through Road to Success, our traineeship, um, trying to bring new, younger, more diverse workers into becoming truck drivers and working in other jobs in the industry. And um, finally, I would say is, is a better regulatory environment, one that, that, that makes it easier for transport companies to understand and access compliance tools. So they're safer, they're, they're, they're more compliant, um, and they're, they're, getting, they're building better awareness around safety uh, within their workforce. So, I don't know if this is an interesting question or not, but what, what can the transport industry itself, what can, what can it do to be helping transporting New Zealand, what would, what could they be doing? Is there anything that's that's um, that is obvious that uh, if if they were doing better as a group or as as a you know industry would make your jobs mm. easier or better? I think that for me, the key well, a couple of key things I'll, I'll say too. The first is around workforce. It's around um, bringing in the next generation of drivers. And and that may not be 16-year-olds, right? In fact, it's probably way over 16-year-olds. There's a view in the industry we've got to get in, into schools and and um, actually the next generation of drivers probably already have a job and 
almost definitely have a license uh, and are probably in their twenties or thirties. Uh, they may not be blokes. They might be, you know, we've got to, we've got to build and, and attract yes. greater diversity, um, particularly among women. And that means actually sometimes changing workplaces uh, and modifying behaviors putting in facilities like female toilets, but, um, and, and just modifying, you know, the job sometimes. Uh, if you want to reach out and, and widen the number of people who might come and work for you. And it's, so it is about attitude. It's about recognizing that um, if you're an employer, you're gonna have to invest in your staff. And we've got an industry traineeship, Te Araki Tua, Road to Success. Now we've got people lining up who wanna be, wanna work in the transport industry. We ran a campaign uh, called SOS, Save Our Supply Chain, earlier in the year because we were terrified that Omicron was going to wipe out, um, you know, driver workforces for, for periods. And so we advertised for everybody who had a class five or four license across the country to, to come and work. And we had 600 people put their names down. You know, so there are drivers out there, but there is this view in the industry, there's a shortage of drivers. My view is at this point in time, we don't have a shortage of drivers. Good employers don't have a shortage of drivers. We've got, as I say, we've got people lining up to be trainees. We have a shortage of, of transport companies who want to take on trainees. And, you know, there's this view that's emerged over time, mm. probably many decades, that a driver with experience, who's safe, with a class five license can just turn up uh, and you can employ them. Actually, we're going to have to create those people if we want to keep a, yep. a flow, uh, get the right kind of people, um, a more diverse workforce. We're going to need to create those people, and we're going to need to pay them well. Now, actually, I think the industry is paying quite well, um, and of course, in these inflationary period, this inflationary period is going to have it's going to have to happen to keep people. But I think it's a bit of a it's slightly outdated now to say that 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 heavy truck drivers are not well paid. I think that that that's mm. they've moved up over the last five to seven years in, in wages, and it's continuing to to move. And you know, it's challenging some of those old sort of ideas that you've got to be working seventy hours a week. Um, frankly, yeah, yeah. twenty five year olds not going to want to work seventy hours a week. So no. who's going to have to adjust? It's yep. the industry. And there's a lot of, and there is a lot of uh, players in the industry that are fully in line with this too, isn't there? I mean, there is a totally. lot of, of operators that are totally talking that same language. Then I'm sure there's others that that aren't, haven't that caught aren't. up, or yep. haven't caught up. Yeah. Yep. But but I mean, my message is, you know, and it's, you know, often you'll hear industry associations just singing the tune. Actually, the biggest message needs to be to the transport industry: you have to change. We've got yep. the tools to help. Um, yep. you know, that's the point. Uh, it won't happen quickly, but we, we've got to do it. Um, and you asked about the other thing that we need. I think uh, just to move on from workforce really quickly is, is around uh, emissions and climate. Um, you know, change is coming. What we're saying to the government is like, you know, they do what typical governments do. They, they want to pick winners now for, you know, 10, 20, 30 years. And yes, invest in the shiny stuff. Um, we're saying actually, energy efficient driving technique, good infrastructure um, uh, build and, and investment and better roads, um, uh, alternative fuels, synthetic fuels. Let's go for the low hanging fruit and make, um, make some changes now. Um, let's get a 10, 20% reduction. Um, in the next five years, rather than, you know, trying to pick out who's, you know, is it going to be EVs, is it going to be hydrogen? Um, whatever the case, that will take care of itself. But what can we do now? Because this is coming. And if customers are not asking about it, they soon will be. So yep. let's get ahead of it. And we're, we're, we're sort of trying to build those tools uh, to help. But there's got to be pickup. And, the, you know, there's also got to be incentive, you know, from all, from all avenues. Um, I mean, to, to pick a pick something that is going to make a significant change um, instantly, it may have, I don't know if it's opened yet or not, but, and they're talking about not building roads, but we've just got that enormously well done um, bypass through Hamilton. Yeah. That's going to save, it's going to save, I don't know, it's, it's, it, I mean, the numbers are, are going to be astronomical in time, efficiency, fuel, all that, that, that it's going to save um, everybody 
because yeah. we've gone and invested in a piece of road, which is just going to be so such a significant. And then there was the one um, that was finished a couple of years ago, obviously uh, um, going up over the hill there, uh, you know, bypassing uh, Huntley, um, yes. which was again was a, it was a brilliant piece of infrastructure. And now that's continued on, and and we've got to keep doing that because that is going to be monstrous in efficiency saving, isn't it? That's, and that's your it. point. And, yep. That's 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 it. That's it. And 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 most importantly, what do these roads, these new roads, save, Greg? They save lives. They save, you know, they save. Yep. They stop accidents. Um, and there are no more roads being built, uh, you know, like this. So yep, like the that. government have said we don't want, you know, we don't want to do it. So um, yeah, that's that's how we're circling around. You know, that's our. That is a big problem. I mean, it's um, the road is the workplace of the professional driver and uh they've got to be safe primarily but they've also got to optimize uh you know efficient running and that's mm. more important now that we're conscious of you know the emissions footprint of the transport industry so um lots of really important things you know wrapped up in this and we just we just try and make these points you know in different ways yep. as well as we possibly can yep yep absolutely okay um a uh, question that uh, is interesting to us uh, here at AutoSense and, um, is one around the chain of responsibility, mm. which um, is a piece of legis is legislation that in, in a, is being used and has been sort of pushed into more space in Australia than, than what it has here. But we do yeah. have it here. It is part of yes. legislation here. A lot stricter in Australia, probably more prosecutions and things taking place. Yes. Um, where do you see this? Here in New Zealand, this chain of responsibility, and what, um, you know, where is it heading in the future? Should we be doing more with it now? Yep. Uh, it's really important to us as well. And, you know, I, it's why I touched on that idea of where we're a service industry, right? Yes. And we're often the meat in the sandwich. And therefore, yep. what our customers consign, the time, the rate, the conditions of how freight is delivered and you know the, the competitiveness of the market that they operate in those are all big influences and i don't think i don't think there's a consciousness of that i think a lot of customers don't care uh big people with market power don't care yeah um and that's a big problem so yep this is where we do need to beef up um the legislation or the, the the regulation and then the enforcement of that um so we better mirror australia we're actually doing a bit of work in the livestock industry here because essentially what happened was livestock operators have been very concerned that they cannot work to legal drive to legal hours with the instructions they're given by their customers now what happens is, sorry, we can't we can't do that because we're, we're going to be breaching our driving hours. Mm. Okay, well we're going to go to someone else, Joe down the road. Well, that that's that's an abuse of market power when that happens. And we've worked with Waka Kotahi WorkSafe um, MPI to bring not just our industry but our customers to the table. Um, we've signed a and we're signing an MOU to sort of say, look, these are the key issues that we identify because there are some things that the livestock transport industry can do differently. Um, but essentially, you know, the rate that's paid um, and the practices and the expectations of the transport industry um, are often not, uh, in our view, um, they don't they don't sit well with good safety practices. So it's understanding it's a chain and that transport is often mm. the end of that chain and the least powerful link. But we get pinged. All the risk falls to us. Yep. That has to change. And what you find then is that, you know, so um, you know, we're the ones that get fines if it's cartage of, you know, animals who've got, um, you know, that are damaged in some way or uh, if it's speed or if it's work time. Um, we're the ones that get, you know, hit. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and so, you know, just to give you an example, um, 
we had an issue with, um, you know, uh, the Nate, the, the animal tracing um, that occurs with with uh, with stock, and um, if the if the paperwork was not received by the farmer, trans and the transporter was taking it to the works, it was all going to the, the fine was going to fall with the transport operator. So we went to the minister and the select committee and said, this is a couple of years ago now. Look, no, no. We, we, this, we can't be done with this. This can't be, you know, we can't have the responsibility. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they change it. They said, okay, you guys get the declaration from the farmer, you get the right paperwork, and you'll be you'll be sweet. And they made that change. Well, that's that is good chain of responsibility in action. So we understand yep. this. Um, and I think there's some really good work going at the moment with some um fatigue management uh, and livestock. Um, there's some, some good work, as I say, going with this MOU. Uh, and I think that will, that will filter out into other sectors of the industry. It's, it's acute chain of responsibilities and acute issue in livestock, but of course it's, it's across the whole industry. And it's often because you know, we're the, the least strong party and we just, we just have to stand up um, better to assert ourselves and assert the service that we offer and, and the value that we add. Yeah. So where does where does that where's chain of responsibility sit as, as far as you know in your top five of things to do on a definitely on a daily? definitely in the definitely in the top five. Yeah. It's um. I think it's educating the industry about it, and this is I mentioned this cooperative compliance sort of thing. I, what I'd like to see as a um, as a sort of a one stop shop for transport operators that, that, that shows them how to be compliant with the law, that leads them with really good health and safety practices and um, you know, engaging their staff and toolbox meetings and getting all the right stuff happening and building real awareness. Uh, but a strong, you need a, you need a very good understanding though too. I mean, it, there's, so you could very easily get lost in- Tick, tick in, box, tick box, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. about it's about awareness and empowering people to make choices that are safer. Um, but to me, you know, good chain of that that is what's going to lift. If we can lift industry understanding and awareness and practice, that's when we you know we say well we can demonstrate this this and this, and we're beginning to name the terms a bit better, and we're safer. Um, then. You know, our role in the chain is suddenly going to become a lot stronger. Um, and, you know, a lot of it is about industry mindset as well. Like, I totally see the value the industry produces and ads. Customers often don't. Well, we've got to, we've got to talk more about that. So that's the challenge for that. That's sort of, um, but I can tell you, I have, um, you know, there are industry leaders that every time they see me, where are we with chain of, chain of responsibility? Well, the best thing we're doing with chain of responsibility is this livestock project. Um, yep. You know, getting others in the chain to under, I'll tell you what, Greg, they're not that keen. And I'll tell you this, we will be keeping the heat on them in quite a big way. So watch yep. this space. Yeah, it is a space that's going to just continuously evolve and yeah, big change. Hey, um, did, did you ever think you're going to be this passionate about transport? <laughs> um, when you started the job, <laughs> I thought I thought I'd be just passionate about roads, um, but yeah, probably not. I mean, it's like it's what you get into, isn't it? And, and the deeper your understanding, the more you see. And especially when I see good people working hard, taking risks, uh, skilled truck drivers doing great work, and I see that undervalued or not properly compensated. Um, that makes me get out of bed and want to want yeah. to to work on those people's behalf. Yeah, yeah. Well, good on you. I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's not hard to get um, you know something under your skin and want to uh, to make it better, especially when you know it can be better. I think that's what it's about, isn't it? You know it yeah. can be better, so you you just can't live with leaving it as it is. Um, hey, listen, we'll move on. Uh, you've been fantastic. This has been really really interesting uh, to uh, to listen to you. Obviously, AutoSense um, is in the game in a big way, producing uh, some amazing technology and uh, training and safety solutions out there for, for the industry. Um, so uh, we'll come to an end of, uh, of the podcast with a bit of a safety question for you. Um, 
fatigue and distraction, key concern that you are seeing and hearing about in the industry? Massive. Um, and, you know, I think that fatigue management uh, is the number one challenge for the industry. And, and irrespective of whether you've got, you know, a, a safe fleet, well-trained drivers, fatigue is the boogeyman that's always on your back. And you've got to constantly be ensuring that it's not there and that you're, you're taking steps to, to, to reduce risk. But I'd say this to you as well. Um, you know, when you look at stats, and I've just today uh, had a sort of a quick look at um, fatal tr uh, accidents involving trucks over the last couple of years. Yep. The sad news is that in most uh, accidents involving trucks, it's trucks being hit by other cars. And so fatigue is an issue for the industry that we have to take responsibility for. And we've got to model the kind of behavior and the kind of systems and the kind of um, technology that's going to help uh, make it less of a factor. But we've, it's yes, actually in our but, interests. Mm. Uh, yeah. Mm. What about the people out there who it's drive, a, you know, and every day in their own personal capacity and don't manage that? Because well, that was, truck that drivers, was actually a... That was actually the next part of my, what I've got written here as a question. This is also the public, the responsibility that they have. So this is the thing. And um, like, we've got to do a job, whether it's, it's you, it's AutoSense, it's Transporting New Zealand, it's taxis, it's Ubers. We've all got to, we've got to talk about our fatigue in our, in just, you know, our sectors, but we've also got to, to, to hold the mirror uh, to everybody who uses the road. It is a shared public thoroughfare at the end of the day. And if you're a truck driver who, you know, spends, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of kilometres on the road, um, then you want to know that if you're taking responsibility and you're, you're, you know, you're taking all steps to reduce fatigue as a risk, you want to know that, you know, those 500 cars that come towards you every day, that those drivers are doing the same thing. Absolutely. Um, I, uh, that's very well said, and there is way too many examples of it. And I think that also, you know, the industry as a whole, you know, sees that um, there's, you know, another report, another piece of imagery, another story on the news about a, a involving a crash with a truck. And unfortunately, um, you know, straight away, majority of people think it is, it's the truck is at fault straight away when we know that is actually not, not, not mostly the case that's at all. not the case. Yeah. 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 So what's um uh how do we get government to see this for more of the ser serious issue that it is or do you do you think you're starting to get um a change in, in seeing that at all because I'm concerned that I think um distraction fatigue is is very still incredibly underreported and there's obviously there's reasons where it cannot be verified but um I I think based on what I see out there on the roads, um, you know, certainly distractions underreported and, and yeah. as the cause of of a crash um, and fatigue is, is, you know, from the information we have and the data we have from, you know, from, from using Guardian, um, uh, we know that it's underreported as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's been confronted. Um, you know, when you're obsessed with speed is the, you know, yes. and, and you're obsessed with, the, all the factors external, that's what stunned me about this road to zero, uh, you know, those ads, which I think are you know, quite powerful in, in, in some parts, but it's the car, you know, that where all the people get out. And, and, and the, the signal it's sending is, oh, look, if you make a mistake, you know, you're going to be a lot safer because of all this stuff that's all this, the marshmallow, you know, that's been put around the car. What we're talking about here, and the message I hear from you is, it's about individuals taking responsibility for their behavior and doing things to reduce the risk of that stuff happening. And that just isn't understood. I don't think. Well, I don't, th but also, um, again, it's, it's how you're supposed to know something if you don't know it. I mean, th this is a, this is the, the, the low base level of acceptance that we have around our licensing. And then you're supposed to go out there and, and get experience to get better 
trial and error. Trial and error at, at 80, 50, 30, whatever kilometres an hour, the damage that can be done at 30 kilometres an hour. I mean, you know, I mean, I don't know who advised um, Waka Katahi on doing an ad where a possum runs in front of your car and you are supposed to swerve into a barrier to avoid the possum. Yeah. I mean, who advised such such stupidity in the first place yeah. to actually tell people that when a possum runs out in front of you, you 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 swerve your car to That's avoid the public it. safety message that they want. That's out the there. public safe, safety message right there. I'm, I mean, Dumb. when we when we're, when we're when we're dealing with that, we are we're, we're not going to win any battle against no. you know trying to get to zero. So it's, but, but, it's so um, they think they're so pleased with themselves with this advertising and, and what are they spending 15 million dollars or something um i don't know if that's annually or it's over three years i think it might be annually they're so pleased with themselves with this campaign yet the fundamentals if you as you've just identified of the road to zero campaign but the settings are wrong you know so flawed so flawed but again um yeah we could go on about that for a long time um yeah, hey, listen, Nick, uh, brilliant. Really, really, thank you for your time. Uh, some great stuff in there. I'm sure everyone that uh, is um, going to log on and download uh, the depot um, is going to get a lot from that and, and enjoy the conversation that we've had. Great work that you are doing, um, you and your team, um, continuously uh, advocating and, and uh, looking after the industry as best you can. So um, uh, thank you for your time, mate. Much appreciated. Hey, thank you for thank you for doing this, and uh, thanks for all your ongoing work. It's great to have uh, such an articulate um, ally who can, who can <laughs> better make the the point than we can most of the time. So thanks. Yeah, it's great to work together. Thank you. Cheers. So I hope you enjoyed my chat with Transport New Zealand CEO Nick Leggett. Really informative, interesting uh, to listen to Nick. Um, he's very passionate about what he does, obviously, but to understand more about transporting New Zealand and all the work that they do helping the industry. Um, obviously, thank you to Autosense for putting this podcast together. And if you like what you heard, uh, be sure to leave a rating and a review. And until next time, catch you later.